going to have a reading, and our reading is in Matthew chapter 24. So chapter 24 of Matthew, starting at verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will, be, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up for tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow old, cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Good morning. Encourage you to have your Bibles open to Matthew 24. Special welcome to those who are visiting. It's great to have you with us this morning. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Father God, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that we would not engage with your Word this morning and then leave unchanged. But Lord, that you would awaken us, that you would stir us where we need to be stirred. Lord, that our lives would be shaped by your word. And Lord, that we would live for your glory. For glory be to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Life is full of endings, is it not? I'm not just talking about death, but just the cycle of life. Every day comes to an end. Sun rises, the sun sets. Every week comes to an end. Thankfully, Friday comes. Every week, each month comes to an end. And every year comes to an end. We've been reminded that this year is drawing to a close. Have you been thinking much about what you're going to do New Year's Eve, that you're about to step into the new year, you get those corny jokes, see you in a year's time, and all those things that start to come. But the thing I want us to think about this morning in light of things coming to an end is that this age will come to an end. This age will come to an end. We acknowledge, and I've experienced it, and you've probably 
heard it yourself, but the world does mock at Christians, mock Christians. When we talk about the end of the world or drawing attention to the end of the world, some of it's probably right in a sense because there's some wacky people out there. But the mocking world, as much as they mock Christians thinking about the end, is itself really obsessed with the end. Through the decades, there's been this constant fear of how this world will end. The godless world is full of apocalyptic events. Nuclear war, asteroids, I remember growing up, how many more years can the sun burn for? It's got to stop burning at some point. Food shortages, climate change, etc. The world is constantly has ideas about how this age will end. We've constantly been taught what we need to do and told what we need to do to sustain the world and preserve the planet so as to hold off the end. There's freedom to talk about how humans are going to bring an end to the world. There's freedom to talk about how humans can save the world. But it's offensive to talk about God bringing an end to the world. That's not acceptable. Sadly, our world wants to eliminate God from the end just as it did from the beginning. This world has to have come into being without God. And so the world reasons and worries how this world is going to come to an end without God. So whether or not we're Christians, we think about the end. Because deep down, we all know an end is coming. An end has to come. Have you made plans for your new year? For what comes next? We think about a new stage that is to come. Some of us even make New Year's resolutions. Have you got some or one or another one to have another go at this year? But the question this morning is, have you thought about the age to come? Have you thought, are you ready for that age, that beginning? Are you ready to meet God? Because being ready for the age to come is far more important than being ready for a few days' time. And if you don't have Jesus, you're not ready. Our, verse, our passage starts with these words from Jesus. We're told in verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was going away with the disciples. When his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, but he, Jesus, answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Two things there that we're challenged with. Firstly, the disciples held very dear that Jesus was coming again. They longed for the time that Jesus was coming. They understood that Jesus at some point was going to have to go away. He was not going to remain with them in person, but a time was coming when he would come in glory. When he would leave the Father in heaven above, rise up from the throne and descend. One day, Jesus has made clear he will come on the clouds of heaven. It's healthy to use your imagination sometimes and to contemplate that day. Jesus is coming back. The disciples long for that day. And I pray that we long for that day. The king returns. The second thing that comes out of that, that sets it all up, is they held dear that a new kingdom was coming. Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, which would come at the end of the age. 
The age in which we live will not last forever. Sometimes we live as if it's just going to be forever, that everything just keeps rolling on. History as we know it has a divine full stop that God has already set in place. He knows how long the sentence of history goes. It's been there since the beginning of time from before the creation of the world. God has set the number of days this world will know. It has never shifted. It will never shift. It's there. And all we are doing this morning is drawing closer to it. In these last days of another year, just as surely as the 31st of December will come and you're going to wake up for the 1st of January, one day the end of the age will come and you'll stand in the new age and you'll face Jesus. You'll see him. And that age will come with Christ descending in all his glory. And why did the disciples long for that day? Because of the kingdom. We don't often think about the kingdom to come. We pray it in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. We leave it somewhat abstract or ethereal in the times in which we live, but we don't contemplate its fullness that will come at the end of the age. It's Christmas, familiar with these words from Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Christ will reign on earth in glory and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The disciples longed for that day. It's unstoppable, the zeal of the Lord. Climate change, nuclear wars, asteroids, or anything else humanity may fear will in no way change how the world will end, how the age will come to an end. And God has made that clear. The disciples knew this. They held fast to it with a deep and strong and certain conviction. It is right for us to live for Christ today, but are you living for his return? the same deep and strong conviction the apostle paul constantly lived in the light that in his lifetime christ could return the early church lived with this truth they would say to one another maranatha our lord comes and we need to live with it for the days in which we live are the last days and so how does jesus answer that question when they ask about his return and the end of the age if you look down to verse 36 he disappoints them with being able to mark their calendar. But concerning that day and hour, verse 36, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. That's why you must be ready. The thought that you'll just get ready in time just betrays a heart that's not genuine. People sort of say, I'll, I'll sort my life out with God later on. All time does is harden your heart. We need to be ready now. As one old man would say, we need, as God's people, live with our bags packed, so to speak. The Bible says we live as sojourners in this world. Are we living and thinking like that, that we're going home? This isn't our home. There's a kingdom coming. 
But Jesus does tell us things about what it will be like living as we wait. Things that should be a constant reminder, things that we will experience. We've experienced some things this year that we'll experience again next year that are there constantly to remind us another age is coming. This age is grinding down. And so what should we expect? And as the Bible often does, Jesus lists seven things. And the first one that we are told here, there will be many false Christs. Many false Christs. Verse 4, Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. Sometimes we can think false Christ must be a bit weird, a bit funny. But it's a serious warning from Jesus. If you Google people who claim to be Jesus Christ, which I did last night, quite a long list comes. Wikipedia lists actually by year. 2020 has a long list. It almost seems bizarre, but what Jesus said is true. One such false Christ lives in Queensland. He has a following. He claims to be Jesus reincarnated. He spreads the message of the divine truth or what he calls God's truth. And he claims that his teaching and by listening to him is how people can have a personal relationship with God. You almost want to laugh, but we mustn't. Because Jesus says these people aren't idiots. They're evil. They're dangerous. They're deceptive. They're leading people to hell. So much that some false Christ, we are told, will convince people, not just because of their strange ideas, but because of the works and wonders that they actually perform. Look down to verse 25 of chapter 4, 24. Verse 25, see, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he, the Christ, is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Whereas the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Read verse 24 as well. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. False Christs will come and perform signs and wonders. Miracles. Things that would convince people that this person is spiritual, this person must be from God. But Jesus says, don't be deceived. Why? Because when the real Christ comes, it'll be like lightning across the sky. You won't miss it. It'll be public. It'll be grand. It'll be global. You won't miss it. So don't be led astray. If someone walked in this morning and said they are Jesus Christ, and you said, prove it, and they could even raise someone from the dead or heal someone in a wheelchair and have them walk out. Jesus actually says, be careful because some people will actually fall for it. Some people will actually believe that this person must be from God because they can work miracles. But Jesus says, don't believe it. When the real Christ, he himself comes, the whole world will know. Other parts of the Bible tell us that the dead will be raised that Christ's people will be gathered with him in the air. You won't miss it. So we need to beware of false Christs and take it seriously. Because Jesus says there should even the elect be able to be deceived. Very cunning, very deceptive. 
Secondly, there will be wars. Verse 6, and you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The world's going to be full of wars. Listening to the news, you hear an endless list of warring peoples and nations. The return of Jesus will not see the world at peace, but in turmoil leading up to it. Every time you hear about a war, another war, it should remind you the end of the age is drawing near. You should make yourself ready. There'll be famines, verse 7 tells us. Famines in various places. Food production will be a struggle. Growing up, you remember the great famines of Ethiopia. At the moment, there's people starving through Zimbabwe and around the world. No crops, droughts that cause famines. Droughts we endure in Australia are assigned to us each time we endure a drought that the end is drawing near. We should say when the rains hold back, Maranatha, our Lord is coming. There'll be earthquakes in various places. Earthquakes, tsunamis are all part of living in the world that's counting down. But Jesus says all these things about the beginning of birth pains. The birth is still to come. False Christs, wars, famines, earthquakes are all the normal of living in the light of Jesus' return. They are the normal of the last days. We are living in the last days. And they happen that people around the world might wake up that we would wake up, that we would stay awake. This age will draw to an end. It's like each time there's a famine, a drought, an earthquake, a tsunami, it's another big tick on the countdown clock of this age. Another event. And so Jesus tells us, don't be unsettled. But they're a wake-up. You can't sleep during an earthquake. Wake up spiritually in an earthquake. Don't be unsettled. Cling to Jesus. Put your hope in God. Christians get caught up in this. We see that. Daniel and his three friends were part of the fall of Jerusalem. They were taken captives into exile. We had the Barnabas Fund earlier in the year. We see Christians suffer in a world that's winding down. But Jesus says there's more. And that's part of one of the reasons why his people long for the age to come. They long for the kingdom to come. But Jesus, it's almost as if he's given us these three things and that's enough. And he says, but wait, there's more. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. God's people will face persecution and suffering, not just in some places, but it says Christians will be hated by all nations. That's a global hatred towards the people of God. Christians imprisoned, even put to death. Though the earth has been shaken, God's shaking the earth, wake up. Wicked humanity just hardens their hearts against God and goes to work persecuting his people. 
If Christians are suffering around the world, being pressured, being persecuted, know the end is near, very near. But then comes the sixth one, which is in many ways the most unsettling. Verse 10. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. As I said, I find that the scariest one. That's the one that should have us all sit up and listen if we're starting to drift or yawn because that's the question. Are we falling away? Are our hearts growing cold? That increase of lawlessness doesn't mean, just doesn't mean the police are going to be more busy. Increase of lawlessness is living in ungodliness, live, living life in a way that opposes the righteousness of God. A world full of ungodly morals and values. And we are told many in the church will shift to take part in it and to compromise with it, pressured either by their own sinful flesh, which thinks, yes, I can do this, or pressured by fear of not wanting to be seen as odd or strange or have to suffer for holding a different righteous, a true righteousness. Even to the point that family members will turn to each other, against each other, Many will want to be accepted by the world rather than associated with a weird Christian family. Giving your affections to the world and godlessness is a far easier path to travel than bearing a cross and enduring during times of trouble. Jesus doesn't say this will happen to a few. He says many, many will fall away. Many hearts will grow cold. Churches will give up on the true gospel. We see that. You see that in Timothy. They won't cease to be a church. They'll still have a sign out the front. They'll still put all their things on, online. They'll still have preachers, but they won't preach the gospel. They will shift. People in churches will fall away. People sit in church, a good Bible-believing church, but they won't truly love God. They'll gather week by week, but not love him. In some places, we see churches shut down. What about Australia? We see Australia itself in recent years has changed laws so that if you oppose these laws, you're against God. You don't accept new ideas of marriage. If you've been listening to the news and the media, lots happening in Victoria that would oppose God's morality. And those who would challenge people or encourage people, even if they asked to go and live God's way, could face imprisonment. You read the global things in the Bible and even my own lifetime, 20 years ago, you sort of wonder, well, how's that going to happen? But how globalized our world has become. How quickly ideas and sinful ideas just spread the world today. How quickly the world has become more and more of one heart and mind when it comes to issues on morality or climate and all these things. When it says God's people will be hated around the world, you can see it. And that many in the church will fall away. Jesus is saying, watch yourself. But then there's the seventh one, the glorious one. Verse 14. 
and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Despite all the troubles and all the going on, God is at work. It's a bit like Joseph at the end when he says to his brothers, you intended for evil, but God used it for good. We see all the things going on in the world and you see evil, 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 but God is actually advancing his kingdom. When persecution hit Jerusalem, the church got scattered. What happened as the church was scattered? The church grew because the gospel spread. What's happened in China as the church has sought to, has been oppressed, the church has grown. It's amazing the witness that you hear of what ISIS did as they wrecked havoc through the Middle East. The church grew. People were saved. We don't despair. No matter how troubling our news might be, we don't despair because God is growing his kingdom. It's unstoppable. As evil works, God works good. Jesus, the good shepherd, is forever looking for his sheep. And he's looking to every corner of the globe, from every tribe, people, tongue, and nation, and he will find them all. And it's happening now. Jesus will find all and those and lose none of all that the Father has given to him. Seven things that we should expect. Seven things that are telling us the curtain could lift at any point and we enter into the age to come. That's what being near means. It doesn't mean, in a sense, time-wise. It means everything's ready to go. The curtain's ready to be lifted. And so what should it look like for us if we're going to respond in love to Jesus Christ, if we're going to live rightly in this age, if we're going to think rightly, not just about what we're going to do from the 1st of January 2021, but what we're actually going to be ready, prepared for the age to come, remember the Lord. Remember Him. When you take your eyes off the Lord, you take your eyes out of the Word, you start to get unsettled. You read the news, you listen to the news and you start to get troubled. But as we stick in and remember the Lord, remember God has ordained all this. God is sovereign. He's in complete control. History is playing out exactly as God ordained it to play out. Exactly. He's being sovereign from the beginning to the end. He is the supreme ruler constantly. He never wavers in his power. He's always on the throne. He's never reacting. God doesn't react. God's in control. Always reigning. And so in the pressures and uncertainties of life, we run to God who is in complete control. We listen to him. We read his word. We pray to him and we will find rest. And we'll find peace. Just as the disciples could have peace with Jesus in the midst of a storm. Because God is in control. Remember the Lord. Secondly, persevere. I've had many a time when I used to run more regularly and I wanted to stop. In your Christian life, don't stop. If you're feeling weak, ask Jesus for help. Because verse 13 tells us, but the one who endures to the end will, that's a promise that's guaranteed, will be saved. Don't give up on Jesus. The zeal of the Lord will see that Christ reigns over all the earth. The righteousness of Christ will come and cleanse this world of all its wickedness. In the age to come, there will be no more pain, suffering, famines, droughts, earthquakes, none of it. Only peace, rest and joy living with Jesus 
as your king. So keep checking your heart. Has church just become routine? When last did you read the Bible? Are you more excited about one, two, three endless things other more than God? Do you sort of wish, oh, hope Jesus doesn't come back. I actually want to do all this stuff and I want these things. Would Christ returning be an inconvenience to your plans and what you're wanting to do? Check your heart. Are you living with your bags packed? Are you living loosely, holding loosely onto this world? Jesus says we've got to keep our lamps trimmed, our lamps full of oil. Don't go to sleep on the job. Don't fall asleep being lulled by the melodic music of this world that is so tantalizing. Fill our minds with God's word. Pray thy kingdom come. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So persevere. Thirdly, don't be unsettled. We're remembering the Lord. We're persevering. In an uncertain world, Christians, we can live with certainty. Nothing's happening that God hasn't planned. Nothing's happening that's going to frustrate God's plans. Nothing's happening that's going to prevent Christ's coming. Nothing's happening that's going to ever take away the kingdom. Everything is certain. You may not know what today's holds for you. We don't. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what the next 10 years holds. If that's what you've got no idea about your life. How uncertain are the days of our life? Jesus says, just worry about today. But you can be absolutely certain for what comes next. You can be more certain about what comes next than what's happening today. Christ will reign. His kingdom will be established. You will see your Lord face to face. You can have absolute certainty. So don't be settled, the Lord says. Next, care for the suffering church. Care for God's people around the world. Love your brothers and sisters. In Acts, we see the church collecting money for the Christians caught in famine, the very thing that's a sign that's the end of the age. One way we know our heart isn't growing cold, that we're remembering the Lord, is that we're remembering our brothers and sisters. We're not just building our own little kingdom, our own little empire. Or as I say in Isaiah, adding house to house, we're thinking about God's people. And so care for the church. Get involved with things like Barnabas Fund or Voice of the Martyrs. Care for the church. And then too, be like the Good Samaritan. Care for the poor. Care for those who are struggling. And then finally, proclaim the gospel. Because that's the wonderful given that will be happening during the last days. The kingdom will be growing. Are you ready to give a reason for the hope that you have? Hope in a hopeless world. Hope when everyone's looking at the world with so much uncertainty. Are you the person in their life and they think, why aren't you rattled all the time? Why aren't you anxious all the time? Why aren't you stressed? Why when you watch the news, don't you just fall apart? Why when we hear the testimony of people in the persecuted church, in prisons around the world, and they're ready to give an answer. They're not anxious. They're not stressed about what is to come. They have a sure and certain future. Sure, they have the troubles of the day, but they have the sure and certain future. Are you ready when someone says to you, why aren't 
If you're unsettled, why aren't you anxious? And you say, Jesus. Just say Jesus and see where the conversation goes. Jesus says it's the gospel of the kingdom. We've got to remember that it's right for us to share the gospel in a way that looks back, but we must never share the gospel in a way that doesn't also look forward. It's the gospel of the kingdom. The disciples were excited about the kingdom to come, all that would be accomplished because of what Christ has done. We're not sharing some sort of fluffy hope, some sentimental ideas. We're sharing about a kingdom that Christ will establish. And so we need to be able to tell people about his glorious kingdom where you will walk in it, you will laugh in it, you'll rejoice in it. You'll have gladness in the kingdom of Christ. You'll see it with your own eyes. You'll touch it with your own hands. It'll be heaven on earth, a kingdom free of sin, a kingdom where God is glorified, a kingdom where the lion and the lamb lie together, where a child can play by the viper's nest. We rejoice because where we're going, not because we're stuck. Tell people that in Jesus the King, there's forgiveness of sins. They don't have to fear the wrath to come. Come to Jesus. His death will count for your sin with a payment. And bearing God's wrath, you will be counted in his kingdom and you will share the same hope. And so this year is coming to an end. But have you given more thought to 2021 than you have given to the age to come? Have you given more thought to making plans and resolutions and seeing that you're actually ready to meet Jesus? Are you going into next year with anxiety and more COVID fears? Or are you just waking up knowing I'm going to wake up on the 1st of January 2021 and just be a day closer to the glory, a day closer when Christ will reign, a day closer when all this will come to an end? The disciples longed to see Jesus return. They longed for the age to come. As we remember the gospel, remember it's going somewhere. Remember Christ has come to establish a kingdom. And one day we will stand there together. We'll rejoice together. We'll sing together. And his kingdom will know no end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please press the truth of your word upon our hearts in uncertain times. Please thrill our hearts with the promise of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Lord, give us many opportunities to share the reason of our hope, Jesus. And Lord, help us if our hearts are growing cold. Help us if we are forgetting what is to come. To draw near to Jesus, to sit at his feet, to hear his words. And to get excited with the disciples. That one day Jesus will come in his glory and we shall be gathered to him. In Jesus' name, amen.